Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 27, the blonde-haired wonder Milos Krasic episode. Milos! 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 (laughs) I was waiting for that. That's why I paused. (laughs) I was waiting for that. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about. Maybe it's not the most logistical thing to do. But before I bring in everybody, I'm going to actually pose a question to everybody. Seeing as we all write for the website, how happy are we be are we to be done writing Ferenc Varos for the foreseeable future? Very. <laughs> Disappointed. I'm more, I'm more glad that I don't have to be writing, sp- trying to spell out the name. Hold on, let me get this. Because I want to, no, I don't want to, Lovrensics. I don't. They're number eight. They're right back with like the eight, like eight zillion consonants and no vowels. Like that guy. I'm very glad I don't have to type his name ever again. Like I freely admit to copy pasting <laughs> whenever I had to talk about him in the recaps. That voice you hear obviously is one Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. How you doing, Danny? We've got Chucks. Hey, oh, um, yeah, it's a shame. It was quite a quite a nice challenge to uh, spell and say French vowels, but well, the party's over. <laughs> Speaking of things that are easier to say, Chucks, give us a plug for your book, seeing as it's almost published day. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so we are recording this on uh, what they say it is Wednesday, at, um, next week Tuesday, so December first. Uh, my book will be live, 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 and uh, you know I'll put out all the links. Uh, on that and stuff but uh yeah my second book you say soccer i say football it's going to be out available for purchase ebook and paperback i'm hoping sometime to make an audiobook version of it but uh that's further along the road because it's a little expensive to do that but yeah you can just find everything about it on my website which is uh edwardp.me so edward and the letter p.me and don't forget to uh check out the book chat chucks and i had on the podcast a little while ago obviously uh Another another plug there, but last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, folks. Happy to be here. Congrats on the book, Chucks. That's that's quite an accomplishment. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be taking a break from that for a while and then uh, <laughs> kicking back, you know, and enjoying uh, not saying French vowels anymore. Listen, I write like, whenever I write like over 2,000 words, I feel like I'm just doing a lot. So write a book. I can't imagine what it must feel like. So congrats on that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what I told Chucks. It's like, my post-game threads are a thousand words. You wrote 70,000 words. <laughs> I did indeed. Over two <laughs> years, mind you. Over two years, I uh, took my time. <laughs> so speaking of said post-game thread, obviously there is a lot to come out of the last couple of Juventus games that we've watched and covered here on, on the blog. But I'll throw it to Sergio first. Outside of the very Sassuolo-like Ferenc Varos away kits, uh, your thoughts on these last couple games? Obviously, it's been a case of uh, very good and kind of classic Juventus grinding, playing not so well at the same time, kind of Champions League win. And, I mean, Alvaro Morata doing what Alvaro Morata does quite often in his Juventus career, both previous and current, is scoring a goal in the Champions League. Yes, I, I think that's the bigger point because – Honestly, you know, two wins, that's fine. That That's all well and good. But I think what we wanted to see was a little bit more consistency, was a little bit more momentum, a little bit more, you know, to start seeing this team play like a cohesive team that knows what it wants to play and how to play it. And, you know, beating Ferenc Barish, we know that they can do that. We know they have the quality to do that. It wasn't even the win. And, and with the result in the other match, Barcelona and Kiev, you know, they didn't even really need the win. They could have just gotten a draw and, and I believe still made it to the round of 16 or, or be in like very good shape to, to be in the round of 16. So it wasn't even that. It was just, I wanted to see them kind of, you know, do have the same the type of performance they had against Cagliari, which was pretty good, which was honestly kind of like a pretty comprehensive dominating win I mean they had a, a lot of good flashes and we saw very very little of it in, in the Champions League and that's kind of like the discouraging part so again you know they were playing with one center back which is not ideal and Frank Barris obviously you know kind of like came to Turin to park the bus and hope for the best and they almost came through but still I, I would have liked to see a little bit more consistency a little bit more momentum but you know, good news, they're, they're through the next round and they can kind of like hopefully get some guys healthy, give some guys rest and kind of like keep keep going in this, you know, last last part of the year. Yeah, it was definitely night and day stuff between uh, the Cagliari performance, the Cagliari victory, and then the just about victory, last last gasp victory against uh, Ferenc Valos. I mean based on just the reaction from the Cagliari game, and I think that reaction was justified, that was probably one of the best performances since, yeah, I mean, yeah, this season, really. I think it's fair to say that, that the 2-0 victory against Cagliari was, yeah, basically up there in the top three best performances this season. So, you know, that was really encouraging. We thought, hey, we're, you know, back from the international break without too many injuries from the international break that is so mainly I mean there weren't any additional uh, new injuries from that and uh, yeah so that was really encouraging really good and then a few days later um, we get a performance like that against Fans Valos and then you think well okay we're kind of back to square one I guess which is we don't really know what we're going to get on a day-to-day or match-by-match basis with uh, Juventus. Uh, I I think the main observation I'm going to bring up is and this was also something that someone said in the comments section i should really start remembering who who says what because i i do reference (laughs) yeah it's it's uh you know (laughs) basically plagiarism i'm doing here shameless plagiarism which i did not do in my book at least you are acknowledging that somebody else said it you're not taking it for yourself yes yes yeah i try i think it's just like paranoia from my days of being at university with you know when you're like when I wrote my thesis I mean oh my god if, if you're found like not referencing or citing a source you'll get like I mean executed by your fellow academics essentially which you know rightly so I mean plagiarism is serious but I mean I don't, I don't know most of the time it's kind of unintentional I guess but anyway uh, besides the point um, but yeah I think you know someone said on the, on, on the blog and I thought that was a good point it's just this whole seesaw process of like the pressing issue like you know one game 
Pirlo will, you know, employ like a really high press and then another game Pirlo will kind of go back to kind of just a low block and then he'll go back to high press. And it's just this kind of, well, going off what uh, Sergio said of this inconsistency of like, kind of like how in the very beginning of the season, Pirlo seemingly couldn't make up his mind of like, where to play who like you know he would play Kulisevsky on the left and then he would try and take with East and then he would play him on the right and then try and shove in Chiesa there and Kulisevsky and you know fit like kind of try and shoehorn everyone in and then Cuadrado on the left and I mean okay he only did that twice I think actually I'm not if I remember correctly but yeah that issue is not translating over to just you know the problem of pressing like is he going to continue just a low block or is he just going to, you know, do a really high press? And it's like, I don't know. It's like, nobody really knows. Like it's, it's kind of a toss up uh, from game to the, from game to game, which I will admit, I do have to stick to my word here because I remember saying a few episodes ago, I, I don't remember exactly when that the whole issue of identity of this Juventus team being, you know, me like my goal for this season being like okay i want to see kind of an identity of juventus and how an identity can also be just morphing from game to game like one game you you know you're really aggressive um high press high energy game and then another one you can adapt to the opposition and say okay we're gonna go go take a lower block and then you know the next game it might be more appropriate to adopt differently like that can be an identity in itself so in fairness i guess if Pirlo thought, okay, the best strategy for this game is a high press, but the best strategy for that game is a low press, then to be fair, he's kind of doing what I want, I guess, or what I said. But now I'm kind of starting to question if that's really the right thing to do. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's resulting in just, yeah, inconsistent performances and just, you know, not really knowing what we're going to get. Not necessarily in terms of strategy or tactics, but in terms of performance levels. I think that's really the more important thing. But to be fair, just kind of as a last point, obviously we do have to remember that, you know, there are, what is it, 10 games in 30 days or something like that. And I mean, this is catching up with players. I mean, catching up with teams. A lot of teams just throughout Europe, we're seeing, you know, all kinds of just very strange results uh, in not only in domestic uh, leagues, but also throughout Champions League, just seeing, you know, just very abnormal results and that is another factor we obviously have to consider just the number of games being played and just the complete abnormality that is this season yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna slightly disagree with you chucks in saying that pirlo doesn't really pirlo's being indecisive about the press i think it's more an issue of the players aren't of in games like we saw against Fenshvaros, the players aren't executing it right I mean, we saw just how badly the midfield missed Adrian Rabiot throughout the majority of that game. And then when he got there, all of a sudden, when he was put on for the last couple of minutes, it was, it was a big change in the midfield. I, I think that Pirlo knows where he's going with it and, and is trying to be consistent with it. It's just that it's not being executed consistently. And I think that that's one, you know, that's one major factor. He really, he was quite frank in his post-match press conference when he talking about Artur and talking about how uh, his frustration with, with him. And it was, and it's interesting because like, I, I wrote this in my recap. I, you know, I could sense after about 25, 30 minutes of the first half that the, that Juventus needed to start spreading their, their attack out towards the wings because there was just no way you were getting through that center of the field with through balls and Artur kept on going and going and just trying to keep doing those, making those passes it was almost like he was determined to prove that he could do it but i i I don't think that the the kind of regression in form between the coyote game and and yesterday is too much of a cause for panic i think you're looking first off at two different two very different setups i mean on with coyote you're looking at eusebio francesco who is not a defensive coach he is not going to sit and absorb pressure and and clog the passing lanes. He's going to try to play his game regardless of who he's playing, and that certainly helped us with uh, with Kadiri. And it is very very clear that Rebrov was parking the bus from the minute the team sheet came out, and you saw that he was going with a five four one, and you're like, all right, this is going to be a this is going to be a slog day. This is going to be a park the bus. This is going to be a day where we're hitting a parked bus. 
you know, it was, you know, as the second half progressed, the team played better, you know, by the, by the 70th minute, it was, a, I, I, I felt that it was a question of, you know, would Juve just have enough time to work it out because they were, they had finished Vados on the ropes for a long part of that half. You know, the, the, the chances weren't as good as, as they had created against Cagliari. But, you know, it's like I said in my, in my, at the top of my recap, there's always one of these in the Champions League. You know, there was Moscow last year when Douglas Costa hydroplaned through everybody and, and won the game in the, in the last second. You know, there's, al- there's, there's always one of these. And, you know, it was, it, it, it ended, it ended with a win. And, you know, I, I said this during the restart and it made Fefu very mad because he was upset that I used it to defend Maurizio Sarri in the particular case, but style points don't matter. Points, points matter. <laughs> and, you know, Juve are in the, in the knockout round. They won the game. And uh, if there's, if Ferencvaros gives them a little help and, or Juve managed to overturn a, uh, type a uh, tiebreaker in rather epic fashion at Camp Nou in two weeks, they could still win the group. So uh, overall, I think it was a positive week. Just I think that the team is growing. I think that we're looking at at better things, and we'll we'll end up. I I I think that the growth process is coming. You know, in this weird season that Pirlo, you know, still needs to experiment by December because he didn't have an off-season, I think we're starting to see something coming out of the team. Yeah, I would agree with you on, on the sense that, you know, obviously the important thing was to win and, and to get the points and, you know, kind of stamp that that ticket to the next round. And, and that, that is important. And the, the thing that bothered me the most about the, the Frank Bars game is that, like you said, it was a completely different style. You know, Frank Bars just came in to park the bus and, and hope for the best. And Cagliari is a completely different type of team. They actually, you know, try to do a lot more. So obviously that, that's different. But what kind of bothered me to me was it did look for moments a lot like last year's Juventus where it was, okay, they're going to defend 11 deep and what do you do? And there's no creativity. There's just a bunch of passes, slow developing plays, slow developing passes that end up in nothing. And, and that to me is like, well, that, that, I know they won and, and everything, but it, it did seem to me like, okay, well, here's the blueprint to beating Juventus then. Like if you just park the bus and defend throughout the entire match and then, you know, have a lucky counterattack go your way and that's it, you beat them. And if you step up the competition and you try to do the same thing against a, I don't know, like a top tier team in, in the Champions League, they can defend and counterattack or not even the Champions League, like, Napoli in the return game like they can do that very well they can sit back and you know absorb that pressure and then counterattack its death I mean you know that that to me was like okay we have nothing to do against this and you know Arthur like you said tried a bunch of passes that really didn't go anywhere and I thought he he was kind of the key to unlock that game and he didn't which was I think I guess why Andrea Pirlo was pretty critical of him and his post in his post-match comments because that was the type of game he was kind of brought into to be the difference maker and to kind of like you know through his passing open up that defense and he just didn't and I think that's that's a big reason why the really the, the game as a whole felt disappointing you know obviously like you said the important thing is they're through and they won and you know, whatever we we are seeing some flashes. We are seeing this team play better, but it's still not not quite there. And after the Cagliari performance, which I thought was really solid, this was yeah, it was definitely a letdown. I I'll agree with you there, but there's I I think the there is a that that in when it comes to the similarities between what we were seeing for a lot of this game and what we saw under Sadi. I think I said this in my recap as well, but the 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 big difference for me was that whereas Sari would essentially just make a bunch of like for like replacements and just keep on hammering the way that he would always do it seemed to me like Pirlo caught on and that he was trying to make the change you know 
putting in Chiesa and Kulusevsky to try and, you know, guys that get that play wider to try to widen out the attack. Obviously it sounded in his post-match press conference, like he was trying to get Artur to move the ball wide. And he was, it, it looked to me like Pirlo was trying to make that change and it wasn't. And again, it comes down. A lot of it comes down to player execution. They didn't execute necessarily as well, but Pirlo to me, based on what I've, what I was looking at, recognized it and made an attempt to make a change. And that is a big difference between what we're looking at this year and what Saudi did last year. Yeah, I think in terms of his moves, you could tell that they were proactive in the sense that when, you know, Morata came on, when Kulusevsky came on, when the other changes were made, you could tell that they were getting better rather than a lot of time, like you said, Sam, with Saudi, it was like for like, but the way they were playing didn't really change. Whereas yesterday, you know, Kulusevsky added width. Chiesa, albeit it was for Benardeski, he added width. He added more pace to the, to the attack. And, and obviously Murata being the, not only the, the difference maker, but I mean, he could have had another one if, if uh, you know, it didn't hit the post. But yeah, I mean. And Murata was also a, a header of the ball coming in for Dybala, who is not an aerial guy. Yeah. So it was, that was another sign to me that Pirlo was starting, that Pirlo was thinking wide game and crosses for Ronaldo and Morata to go after, as opposed to what, what Artur had been trying to do for the 60 minutes before that. Yeah. And I mean, of, of course, you know, I point out a couple minutes before Morata's goal that it felt like Quadrado was, you know, two for 100 on his cross attempts. And then, of course, and then he, he goes and, you know, puts one on a, on a freaking dime for, for Morata. I think to score four for 11 was his actual Yeah, stat. no, I, I looked it up and he was three for 10. And then, of course, the next one is the one yeah. that, that, that wins it. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to pose this to, to you guys going forward here. Did this game, and we mentioned it in passing uh, a few minutes ago, did this game really emphasize kind of how important Rabio has become to the midfield, as well as, holy crap, Matthijs De Ligt is <laughs> – I mean, we, we, we floated out there that, you know, he might be one of the top defenders in the world upon his return. Well, now it's his return, and, I mean, he's – He's. I, I feel like this is as good as we've seen him, even though, yes, it's two games. But you can really see that this dude is becoming far and away the best defender that Juventus has. You know, it's funny uh, because, well, you know, obviously you guys will remember in the first, like, what, month or, well, maybe two months, two, three months that he was playing <clears throat> and all the – criticism that he got and you know he had a he had a rough time just with media and, and criticism and oh the man and, had oh, a magnet attached to his hands yeah 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 that was really that was just <laughs> one of the most peculiar it, like the handball stuff was almost as weird as like the Morata offside stuff like that it, it really was just a weird just such a weird anomalies there but yeah and I mean that seems like a long long time ago doesn't it that that phase of his Juventus career just that you know yeah really difficult starting yeah two months or so two three months or so that seems like a long long time ago because yeah I mean he's, he's just slotted back in perfectly and uh, I think Pirlo said something like 
the uh, Licht was, you know, we knew that he was a captain at age of 20, so we knew that it was no problem just putting him back in uh, to the team. Or so he said something along those lines, I remember. And yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he has clearly been fantastic uh, since coming back. And it's funny because I argued, I think, last episode or episode before, where I think it was the last episode, yeah, you know, whose return was more important, is more important, uh, Sandro or Alexandro or uh, De Ligt. And I remember I argued Alexandro, which I still sort of ish. I told you to wax poetically about your countrymen and you went with the Brazilian. <laughs> yeah, because I'm a contrarian, really, <laughs> by nature. <laughs> which, I mean, yeah, oh, granted, like, I still sort of stand by that because at that time, I think Bonucci was still fit, I think. And, well, Demiral was still fit. I remember that for sure. I think Bonucci might have still been fit at the time of recording. So, you know, I mean, you stand, kind of stand by it. But, uh, but no, I mean, clearly right now he's, uh, yeah, I mean, as the only fit center back, I mean, he's kind of the guy in charge. So, yeah, I mean, just really, really impressed and delighted. And, I mean, not only with his performances on the pitch, but also with his impeccable Italian uh, off the pitch, if uh, I'm sure you guys saw. What was it a post-match interview against Galeri? Which, yep. uh, which uh, I will say is a uh, Dutch accent didn't shine through that too much. That made me feel so inadequate. <laughs> as yeah. somebody whose name ends in a vowel and who can barely speak yep. a lick of can, Italian can, that can, just, re- uh, can relate uh, it's funny it makes me think of like Carlos Tevez like that man was in England for like what seven eight years <laughs> didn't speak a bloody word of English <laughs> you know that was embarrassing I thought that was ridiculous but anyway but no I mean he's done really well and kind of as a, a side note going back to I guess what Sam said I think what Sam said uh, no, sorry, it was what uh, Sergio said. I think, ironically, this game actually needed a Pirlo um, somewhat, you know, ironically, because basically saying that, you know, uh, this game needed a deep, uh, the Fernschwaus game, that is, uh, it needed a deep-lying playmaker, you know, I mean, Regista, basically. And, you know, and that, I guess, should have been Artur. And maybe that's why Pirlo was so particularly annoyed with him, uh, because that was kind of the key to unlocking this game, which I think always is kind of the key against deep-lying defenses like the park-the-bus teams, that you're always going to need that deep-lying playmaker. And, well, you're going to need a more ambitious, expansive deep-lying playmaker. And, you know, if, if in this case, Artur is going to play, play really conservative passes, yeah, then, I mean, you have a bit of a problem because who's going to do that then? Like, especially because there's no Bonucci on the pitch either. So then who's going to do that, you know? Then secondly, maybe you think Dybala would do that. But then, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about Dybala, of course, as well later. But, you know, if you have, I guess, your two main creative players, basically not, well, one being too conservative and then the other just still not being in form. You know, I think that is probably large part why there was little penetration, a little creativity uh, yesterday. So, which again, I think kind of justifies, well, just explains uh, Pirlo's uh, comments about uh, Artur. Yeah, I think I, I also, I remember also supporting Chuck's theory that Sandro was going to be the, the most important player coming back. And I do think you're right. I think at the very least, Demiral was healthy as well. And Bonucci, I think also. So definitely, you know, circumstances changed. But yeah, I mean, he's just, spectacular player I mean just this is his second game since coming back and he just took the back line just it was his I mean it's it's crazy he's really really good it's great that we have him back and I I think you know he's going to be starting probably every game from now until you know the foreseeable future because we don't really have anybody else to to put out there it's going to be it was interesting to me to see that they that Andrea Pirlo decided to throw, you know, kind of like this makeshift back line with Danilo and Sandro and Cuadrado instead of giving, you know, one of the under-23 guys a chance there at the center-back position. You know, overall, I think it went fine. But, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does in the Benevento game because, you know, one thing is Ferenc Barish and you knew that they weren't really going to attack a whole bunch. But, you know, Moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see if he actually gives one of the you know young guys a chance, or if he continues to play this makeshift backline with only one center back. So that's kind of what I'm I'm interested in 
in you know, seeing, looking forward. It's going to be really interesting this weekend because it's Pippo Inzaghi coaching Benevento, and he's not going to defend either. I covered AC Milan for Bleacher Report that year that Inzaghi was the coach. And, you know, he, he, was, he was very gung-ho, and he continues to be very gung-ho. And now he's got a little more experience under his belt too, so he can, uh, he can pull a surprise. I, I would be interested to see what we do do in terms of depth at the center back and if they do throw an under-23 guy out there. What's the name of that Romanian kid that they've called up once or twice? Um, Dragason. Yes, that guy. It seems like a good place to go, especially since you do want to avoid running Danilo into the ground because he's played all but four minutes of, of Juventus's competitive football this year, which is a lot. And uh, there's a lot more to come and you got to keep got you do have to keep guys fresh. I'll, I'll pivot into what you were saying a little bit, Danny, about Rabio, because I remember during the restart, we want, we had made a joke about how done I was with him at the end of the first leg of the Leon tie. When I gave him like a three, one of my lowest ratings, I think I've ever given anybody. Um, you gave a lot of low grades that game. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but him specific, him and Pjanic specifically. I, but and now he really is indispensable, and he's he's turning into the first uh, Paratici's first Beppe Morota Bosman. You know, where the the first the first of those free transfers that he's done. That have that has really come off, because Rabio is just he's playing so so well, and the way he the way he just bosses the midfield physically, which allows for Artur to really kind of do more than what he did against Fenerbahce, more more like play more like he did against Cagliari, and it's uh, it's a little surprising to me because Bentancourt can can do the same thing. I mean, we've seen. You know, last year he had multiple games where he was racking up five, six tackles in the midfield, and he's actually st- and he still had four yesterday. And he had a he had a good game from a ball winning standpoint. He didn't have as good a game from the you know from the rest of it. But yeah, Rabio is you know keeping Rabio re- keeping Rabio fresh and healthy is going to be a big part of this team going forward because right now he's. He's the linchpin of that midfield. If he's not on, there's an energy and a, 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 like an energy drain to the press that just isn't it, – it really, he's really the trigger. And I'm, I'm really glad to have been wrong on that one. Sometimes you're glad when you're wrong. And, you know, I was ready to be like, you know, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him in February. And now I think – Apart from Ronaldo, Delict, and uh, and Morata, right now he's one of the he's one of the indispensables. Yeah, no, I I remember you know seeing people on on Twitter making the comments like, well, Rabio's been such a disappointment. He's going to be the the guy that Paratici tries to spin off to a to an English Premier League club for a whole lot more. Everton wanted actually, him. Yeah, and and you know we you heard what I think Crystal Palace maybe a few others. You know, mid mid table English sides be like, all right, well, you know, try and get some return on the the investment in terms of salary. His his return to the player, I think a lot of people hoped he'd become at PSG, is, I mean, yeah, we could say you know Morata's been great, and and obviously Ronaldo's been been pretty much the same Ronaldo that we've we've seen the last couple of years, but yeah, I mean, Rabio's just the the complete transformation from player you're totally okay with seeing Juventus get rid of to now saying, no, <laughs> keep him. He's, he's, he needs to play all the time or most of the time it is, is really something just, it, it's been, it, it's crazy. And I, I guess obviously the, the summer was a crazy schedule, but for him, it kind of feels like that's what he needed to get right. Because you just see, you know, it's just fixture after fixture after fixture. I mean, he had he barely played in almost a year when he was yeah. first signed, and that's, 
you know, it was so clear that, and when we did start playing like a lot of games and when the midfield depth situation last year with Kadira out and a couple of other guys getting, you know, suspended or hurt a little bit less than Kadira was, you know, he played a bunch of games in succession and he started really growing in. And now he's, he, he's just flying for club and for country. He had, a, he had some fantastic games for France over the international break as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, you hear about his kind of personality off the field. He's, he's a pretty quiet guy, obviously, you know, he, he seems like he's got a, a pretty close relationship with it, with his mother because what well, she's his, his agent, I believe. So, you know, that will, people will read a little, a little too much in that to him, you know, <laughs> he's a mama's boy, but it's just, it's remarkable how important he's become as such quick order because I think so many people were just ready to, ready to get rid of him. So anything else before we get into Twitter questions, gentlemen? Yeah, maybe kind of the point on Dybala. I mean, you know, yet another game and just yet another kind of disappointing performance. Pirlo has put very much support behind him and is still very much backing him and is still very patient with him. But, you know, it's it's interesting because, okay, in the last three years he's had – I mean, th- well, the team has had three different coaches in the last three years. You know, he's had Allegri and then Sari and now Pirlo. So, obviously, as like an attack – and just three pretty different systems. Um, so, obviously, as an attacking player, that's something to adjust to. Especially just, yeah, a player like him that seems so dependent on circumstances kind of around him. Because, I mean, obviously there are many players that like Ronaldo was here as well. And, I mean, he, he's dealt with all these three different coaches and he's done just fine. But, yeah, you know, it's just tricky. It's, I think even in good times and stable times, he was still inconsistent. Like, he ironically had a really good, pretty, I mean, very good season under Sarri. I mean, he was the MVP of the league and, you know, like, that was clearly a very good season. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm still patient with him, but obviously um, the, uh, the pitchforks are uh, slowly uh, rearing their heads and slowly coming after him. But I, I just don't know. I mean, I think the main question is just like, what, what will enable him to, you know, reach his, his peak again? Like what are the conditions that, you know, will make him reach that? that that's Honestly, a million dollar question it's... right now, isn't it? Honestly, I think I think right now the right now the answer I think is just more minutes because I mean, think about since the begin since the end of of since you know towards the end of last season he has just been run over by the bad luck express over and over and over again, you know serious muscle injury, then he gets you know a gastrointestinal thing, then he gets an infection that kept him on antibiotics for almost two weeks as Pirlo has been saying in a lot of his press conferences like that's a lot to be going through physically and he had COVID, you know, in, at the beginning of the, of the pandemic. So like, that's a lot of toll on your body and he's clearly not, he's not up to match fitness yet. It's very clear that that's, you know, he had one or two moments in the game yesterday that, that right footed shot off the cross that Dibouche managed to somehow kick save away and, you know, one or two other one or two other passes, there was one bit where I think he kind of scooped a ball very, you know, he was about three feet from Ronaldo and he scooped the ball up over the defender to try to get it to Ronaldo and the defender reacted really well and, and, and took it down before Ronaldo could. But, you know, the, he, he's, he had a couple of flashes. I think the main thing right now is, you know, with, with all these games, he's going to have to start a couple of times to keep people fresh. He's going to have to play you know, 20 or 30 minutes every game coming off the bench to keep people fresh. Get the minutes into his legs. Let him get fit, which he clearly isn't. And then we can start talking about whether or not things need, Pirlo needs to tweak things to make him, to, to start making him take off. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I completely agree with Sam. I think he needs more time. He needs more playing time. I mean, you're not going to sell him right now, so... You know, there's no, you know, all the, all the sell Dybala brigade. I mean, they're not going to sell him in the winter transfer season and they're especially not going to sell him on the, you know, selling low. So, you know, if, if they haven't sold Federico Bernardeschi, who, quick shout out, he's been playing okay, which is great for him. You know, we're creating on a curve here, but, you know, if they refuse to sell low on him, why, why would they, 
sell low. On great that. on the curve. <laughs> great. I mean, you got a great on the curve. You know, we're we're talking. He was, he's like a month removed from literally coming in as a sub against Barcelona and then just tripping on himself for the like second PK. Like we were grading him on a on a curve, but you know, going back to to Dybala, they're not gonna sell him. So you know, the the best course of action, I think, like like Danny mentioned, like Sam mentioned, is he's gonna have to play. They're going to have to, you know, give him minutes and, and see how he performs, you know. I think he I, – I still remember that first season, I think, he had with, with Juventus when he was being paired up a lot with either Mansukic or actually Alvaro Morata. And he played really well as that second striker type of guy. And, and they've been trying to, to do that more often with him early in the season – uh, instead, but he he played with Ronaldo as kind of like the two, two men in the in the front against Frank Barr. So I, I think you know he he's gonna come around. He's way too good. He's way too talented to not come around. And yeah, I mean, the the team can perform well and the team can win without him. But if you add him, you know, playing well and fit and in form, you know, Juventus just becomes a way way more dangerous team, especially. Because when you consider right now, obviously not in all lines, but when you consider the the weapons that Andrea Pirlo had at his disposal against Frank Baric, I mean, he brought in as subs, you know, Federico Chiesa, Dejan Kolosevsky, Aaron Ramsey, uh, Alvaro Morata, you know, Adrian Rabia from the bench. That is an insane amount of depth that he can throw out there. So, you know, I, I think I think if you add to that. Uh, informed Dybala I mean we're talking about you know the sky's the limit for the squad in terms of you know quality and in terms of, of name recognition for sure all right let's get to the Twitter questions first from at shades of offside or better yet Chucks a throwback to the offsides day Aaron Giambattista <laughs> no way <laughs> why is there so much hate for Juan Cuadrado is there really Genuinely, Mike. Genuinely, is it really? Because I mean, okay, for his crosses and all that, but I mean, besides that, I think he's been one of the best players this season. Him and Danilo. I mean, I think yeah, they've been they've been two of the best players. I I've been mostly hearing hate for, um, well, Dybala clearly, uh, and for even a bit for McKenny. I think like McKenny's been getting a lot of hate as well. But and my that. son. My son, Rodrigo Bentecourt. Oh, boy. yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's been more just recognition of his dip in form. Hopefully. Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think the real hate, like, as well, has been coming for, like, Bernadeschi, which uh, has been obviously improving recently. But no, Juan Cotado, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. I, th- I think it comes a lot from the fact that, like, he's, his talent is so obvious and then, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of points in the game, he will just do something so outrageously dumb. And you're like, why did you just do that? Like, uh, Danny, I'm sorry, I'm about to give you some work in editing, but there's a, re- there's a reason why at my bar, at the bar, at the club, we call him f***ing Juan. Because it's just like, you look at it and you're like, oh, come on, like... There was, you know, and then and then he'll pull out a, cro- a, a crazy first-time cross like he does to Morata, and you're like, okay. I, I, I think that there's always that, that, that bit where you just look and you say, why, <laughs> with him. Yeah, I said it in my post-game thread. His passing in, in the last two games, you know, it, it, it's pretty appropriate with all the – all the minutes he's played and then you throw in the travel that he's had over the international break as well. You know, his passing has he's been also, kinda, has he even had a, has he had a game off either? Maybe one or two. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I mean, his, his passing has been kind of hit and miss at least to start games. And then of course it makes in total quadrado fashion. It makes total sense that he's the guy who gets the assist on both the Juventus goals against Ferenc Faros, just because his, his passing can be so frustrating sometimes yet and I think Sergio Sergio said it. Yeah, his his assist to Ronaldo was kind of an assist in theory, although you know it wasn't the the kind of pass that he did to Morata to, for the winner. But 
yeah, I mean, that's just kind of typical one. You know, he can he can pass around 80% for a half, but then he makes the most important pass of the game. Yeah, and I think if there's any remaining hatred, because I do remember him being kind of like a, a dude that people enjoyed hating on, you know, a couple of years back, two or three years back when he was this kind of like not quite – uh, effective winger, but not quite a good fullback either. Like he was just kind of like a frustrating player, and and I do remember, you know, even even myself included, I, I do remember thinking that they should have sold him or something because he just he wasn't really good at any position. But I mean, the way he's turned it around, I mean, I agree with Chucks. I think this season he's been one of they're the better players for Juventus, and just his you know his willingness to kind of like transition full-time to kind of like a fullback type of player when you know when we acquired him he was an out-and-out winger I mean he had no defensive chops whatsoever and he's worked to a point that he's you know he's serviceable you know he's not going to shut a lot of guys down but he's a serviceable defender and he he runs and he has pace and you know he has battle and fight in him so I mean I, I do think he's been one of the better players in the season and you know, he, he kind of sometimes, you know, exaggerates fouls and whatnot. And, you know, he, you know, screams to the ref instead of, like, following the play, which sometimes is a little bit maddening. But, you know, that's who he is, I guess. So, I mean, other than that, I, I do think he's been very important. So, no, no hate for, for Johnny Square from me. Yeah, I think that is the that is a big thing, how he's just – his his effort. And he, he really he, – he's one of the, the few – people right now that you can really look at and say that is where the Juventinita is coming from is just the the effort and the the that that he puts in and the the devotion that he gives to helping the team yeah I always argue that he's the modern day uh Dirk uh the former Liverpool uh Liverpool winger you know started all the way up up front as a striker even and then slowly kind of regressed uh down the pitch and uh, became more and more and more defensive as as his career age, but became that, you know, that guy that people look at to like hold things together and like, Hey, he can sacrifice himself in defense or, or, you know, in a defensive midfield position. Yeah. He deserved the armband against Kylie. What country is Dirk from, by the way, Chuck? Yeah. From a tiny little uh, country called the the Netherlands. Uh, uh, We're uh, tiny uh, people. Uh, we have lots of flowers. Yes. Are you kidding me? Uh, one look at Matthijs de Ligt, the kid will belie the fact, the idea that the Dutch are tiny people. That's yeah, the- we uh, <laughs> eat very well. Yes, uh, we eat very good. There is no doubt that Matthijs de Ligt ate very well as a young child. Speaking of young Matthijs, from longtime friend of the blog Vittorio Pazzini, if de Ligt gets this defense through this year, and I assume that's kind of assuming it's with all the injuries going on around him. Does he qualify for early sainthood? Can we at least mock up a prayer card for Mr. Delict? Oh, I have to call up the Queen of England for that one to get a knighthood as well. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, clearly. Um, I think just the fact that there is just, you know, such a vacuum in defense with Gilini being essentially permanently injured and, well, Bonucci still being there and still doing well, but, I mean, there's clearly a space there just in defense with – basically the only experienced fit player being Bonucci. Um, that's, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, it's placed there and you can grab it with both hands. And But, you know, let's not underestimate, like, the the guidance that he's likely getting from Chiellini behind the scenes because, I mean, you know, obviously Chiellini's injured, but as far as I know, he speaks pretty good English as well. So, you know, De Ligt obviously speaks English too, so I'm sure he's getting, you know, really good guidance from uh, Chiellini and, and mentorship. And Italian, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Juve, if he stays long-term, which I'm still really afraid of because I fear Mino Raiola in this situation, that he's going to try to, you know, force, do some shenanigans and force some, some kind of a crazy money thing that'll get himself a lot of money and and push Delict somewhere else. I've been afraid of that since he first signed, really. But provided we don't, provided that doesn't happen, you know, U- Juve's policy on the captaincy seems, you know, has for a while has been, you know, the senior the senior player gets it, and 
Um, you know, even though the last couple of guys were also natural progressions, you know, Del Piero to Buffon, Buffon to Chiellini. Um, if, if Delict is in long-term, Danny, you said this in your, in your reaction piece, is there going to be a point where even if there are still guys in the team like Sandro, Dybala, Quadrado, that Delict starts becoming a serious contender for the captaincy it's not a stretch i mean he's already captained one team as a teenager to the semifinals of the champions league so it it's 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 certainly a possibility that i don't think should be overlooked because he's really you know like you said he's he's taken command of this defense in the space of two games this seriously undermanned defense man did somebody just write an article about that (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. did, did somebody do that? <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, I I I certainly think that that sh- that it you know, if we if we keep him around long term and pray god we do, that that's it that's something that that would I don't think would be far fetched if it were in the cards. His comments after yesterday's game were really impressive too. And that's where Yeah, they were. That's that's where I was like this dude is obviously not the captain and he's relatively low on the pecking order, but he's sounding like a captain. And that, that's what's like, okay, this he's 21 years old, but man, he is so far ahead when it comes to how he obviously plays, how he perceives the game, how he reads it and just kind of his overall awareness is, I mean, that that's impressing me almost as much as his play on the field these days. But I mean, it goes by appearances, though, isn't it? Like the rules, like the I guess the kind yeah. of yeah. So I mean, I guess unofficial, just, yeah, yeah, unofficial yeah. rule. Although it it is, you know, there there's some question as to you know whether it's number of total appearances or if it's like longest unbroken string. Like, I think which, that's it because otherwise, Buffon would have been captain once. Well, from what I've heard, that Chiellini offered to give it back to Buffon and the Buffon willingly took himself out Uh, of the, the order. Uh, Um, Because he knew, he knew he was going to be the backup and it's like, what's, what's the point of me being the captain if I'm only going to be playing, you know, just a small portion. Um, Plus I don't, plus I don't think he wanted to be a distraction in terms of being the captain. And and yeah, I mean, it, it does, it does bear questioning as to why Bonucci, you know, got it after Chiellini got hurt because you know he had that sojourn in Milan and if you're really going by that standard then Dybala and Sandro and Quadrado would all be ahead of him yeah I, but, I think uh, Bonucci that they skipped him for a while like his first year back they they didn't make him captain and then his second year back they did give him a chance like it, it's a it's a play it by ear type of thing i i think he had he had it like once in his first year back when there were a bunch of injuries and guys were sitting and it made and it was a big deal for the ultras because you know you know he had he had celebrated at the j stadium when he scored in the in that milan game and that pissed a lot of people off yeah i remember that, that drama and and the and the whole drama of him leaving in the first place I, I don't know about, I mean, the, the captaincies for me give, I mean, if they want to give it to the league, I'm more than happy to. But what I would do with him is once, you know, Ronaldo's of the books, which uh, I think it's like in a year or two. So it kind of works well in timeline wise. You just give him a blank check and then be like, listen, I, I don't know how much you want to make here. But, you know, Shut up and take my money. Yeah. It really my money, Sergio. You spend your 20s in Italy. So, you know, come on, like, just here's a blank check, my guy, because here's. I mean, he, he, he's a spectacular player, spectacular talent, spectacular dude in general. Just like, you know, the, the fact that he was, you know, speaking Italian and the, the things he said. I mean, he's just awesome. I hope he plays here for a very, very long time. As a wise man once said, where's the money, Lebowski? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sergio, right back at you from David Desberg at the True ROAC. Sergio, using your Yankees analogy from last week's episode, how does it feel to root for the inter of baseball. I take offense. <laughs> First of all, we've won a championship and like like that not that long ago. Twenty eighteen. And Inter hasn't won a trophy in over three thousand four hundred days. So 
you know, I don't think it's really a, an apt comparison. So I take offense to that. Speaking of which, uh, Sergio, how much did you enjoy today's interperformance? Oh, it was fun. Well, it wasn't that fun because Real Madrid won. So, you know. Yeah. Still, you know, they're frauds. They, they remain frauds. And I think they're pretty much, I, I think it's pretty hard for them to make it out of the group now, right? Yeah. It's, it, it's actually pretty, it's, it's, it's going to be a feat for them to even get into the Europa League at this point. Well, serves them well. <laughs> I, I, I'm Arturo loving, Vidal I'm, never changes either, by the way. Uh, oh no, that that's Jesus. see, that's like that's like deep cover agent Vidal. That's what that is. I think yeah, that guy just never. It's it's amazing how he's, he's all, predictable he's, he's, people are. He's like he's tearing them down from the inside. Yeah, <laughs> it's all part of the plan. It was such a Vidal red card. Such a Vidal. All right, let's wrap things up on this note. We're recording on Wednesday, and earlier in the day, uh, news came out that uh, Diego Maradona, who had been dealing with some pretty serious health issues passed away at the age of 60. And I will preface it with saying that as the oldest person on this podcast, we are, we very much came in at the post playing career of Metadona. So a lot of us are just kind of basically going off of highlights at this point, but uh, you know, say what you want about the dude off the field. And obviously there's a lot to say about the dude off the field, but uh, Metadona, the player, I mean, he, you know, he, obviously paved the way, you know, and played a, a good chunk of his career in Italy, paved the way for a lot of people to, you know, follow the game. And, and you know, obviously, as we know, with one of Juventus's best players being Argentine, obviously was an influence on a, a certain Dybala. So, yeah, just kind of going around the horn here, you guys, quick thoughts before we uh, sign off for uh, for this episode on Diego Maradona. I mean, like you said, I mean, I, I think the the majority of us, you know, didn't really get to see him play. So it was more of a, of the, you know, the sideshow of the circus that followed him around, you know, speaking a little bit from experience, you know, he managed here in, in Mexico for one year with the Dorados de Sinaloa, which is, a, you know, like a Serie B similar, you know, to, to Mexico. They don't even play in the top flight. So it was super weird to have him be here and, and be the manager and be the coach and it was a whole circus and a, and a show so I think sometimes it kind of you know because of who he was and his reputation and you know all the off, off the field issues for the ones that we didn't really get to see him play that's kind of the first thing you think about when you when you think about Diego Maradona but you know it is I mean he was truly a, a trailblazer of a player just in the style of play he did and you know for for South American players I know at that time it wasn't as common to make the jump to Europe. So for him to kind of push that move to Barcelona and to, you know, become a legend in, in Napoli and all that, that, that really did, you know, it, it was a trailblazing move. And, and that, that's kind of who he was, you know, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a legend and there's a lot of good stuff to read about, about him overall. There's a really good documentary in HBO from that's really good. If you, you get to to watch it so yeah i mean you know sounds like a cliche but yeah thoughts and prayers to to his family and everyone i mean that you know he died young i guess actually i do want to bring it back to madonna the human being and and like you said danny i mean i'm i'm too young to really i never frankly got to watch him i uh, didn't have the privilege of uh, getting to watch him but yeah i wanted kind of to bring it back to madonna the human being because you know, I actually wrote about this in my book as well. Just kind of that mad genius, like brilliant, brilliant, amazing player, but just, just, I mean, he just had that insanity basically and just the controversy and just the, you know, the cocaine, the drugs, the drinking, the smoking, the, the kind of outlandish statements uh, in the press and just general lifestyle and behavior, you know? And, you know, one thing I talked about in one chapter in my book was like, with like these mad geniuses, are they so brilliant and amazing thanks to, or in spite of their madness basically? And I don't know, I, I really don't know, you know, is it, does like, does their eccentricity hold them back or does that make them who they are? You know, and I think this applies to like all kinds of geniuses in any field, you know, uh, Steve Jobs, Kanye West, uh, you know, I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, uh, and just, you know, all the controversial figures, I think, in any field, like, 
I always think of that like, okay, this insanity, but like this, just this controversy, does that make them or does that kind of hold them back? But, you know, I think we're just reminded of the fact that, you know, Madonna was obviously so brilliant, but I mean, just as a human being, I mean, he was clearly very deeply troubled. I mean, he just, you know, health issues, uh, I think is pretty clear. I mean, I'm not professional, but I think it's pretty clear he had some mental, mental health issues as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, they still are human beings, you know, they still have issues, they still have their vices. And I think Madonna just perfectly captures kind of the human condition of just like so much brilliance and so much like potential, but then also just so much, yeah, so many demons that, you know, he fought and, you know, as we all do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, rest in peace. And, and I, th- I hope it is, you know, really just like we can look back on his career and obviously enjoy all the great, great times he gave us, but then also just kind of learn, use it as a learning moment for, you know, both for football and just for life in general. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that by the time, you know, I, for, for personally, by the time he was really, you know, uh, a formed entity in my mind, he was a bit of a sideshow. You know, the when he coached Argentina at the at the World Cup in 2010 in South Africa, that was just a complete and utter media circus. But there's a there's a good quote that I I saw doing a little bit of looking in at him on the internet in the lead up to this. It's a, it's a, it's actually, this is a 10 year old article I think this was going right into that world cup by one Ken Bensinger of the Houston Chronicle. When he, when trying to equate him in American terms to an American audience as that world cup was coming closer, he said to understand the gargantuan shadow Maradona casts over his football mad homeland. One has to conjure up the athleticism of Michael Jordan, the power of Babe Ruth, and the human fallibility of Mike Tyson. And I yeah, think that... That's brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. That, I think that that sums it, it, it really up in a nutshell, how, you know, an, an utterly, utterly brilliant athlete and footballer that has, you know, unfortunately for all of us, has to be couched in, in, in you know, the, the, the reverence for which you, you know, the reverence for which you t- people sp- speak of him as a player is, has to be couched in what happened every place other than the pitch. And it's unfortunate that, that that's, uh, that that's the case. And it's unfortunate, you know, had he played, you know, 10, 20 years earlier, it probably wouldn't be the case. Cause that, you know, he was playing just at the time when, the media would actually start to talk about this with sports people, with sports heroes, as opposed to like, you know, say Mickey Mantle in the 1950s, you know, it was, it was known in the sports media in the United States that Mickey Mantle would, you know, go out drinking and, and picking up every woman he could see when he was out on the road, when the New York Yankees, when the Yankees were playing, but it never made the papers because that just wasn't how it was done then. You know, it's, uh, somebody in a conversation I was having said, you know, would we have even known how good a player he was today, given the drug tests that players are subjected to, you know, would he have been suspended for goodness knows how long would teams have done more to intervene and maybe keep him on a better track? And would he have maybe been able to even do more because that's, you know, the, especially his drug, his drug addiction, you know, is it, it you know, a lot of people will admit, I think he probably has in an interview or two, you know, that it did take a toll on him in the, on the field as well. And perhaps robbed us of some of maybe even his best, but yeah, it, it, you know, obviously a human death is unfortunate whenever and wherever it happens. And uh, it, this is gonna, you know, I, I, I hope whatever he thought was coming comes to him and uh and yeah, it, it's it is a sad day for for the sport the the sport of soccer and the sp- and sport in general to lose a, an athlete like that. I'm very interested to see what kind of tributes uh, we see from around Europe this weekend, and more importantly, the tributes from the Argentinian players. So let's hope that Paulo Dybala plays against Benevento, scores against Benevento, 
and then you know we we see we see if he's got a little message or a, or a photo of Maradona on his undershirt. So thank you guys for sharing some Maradona thoughts. Obviously, you can always send your Twitter questions to us at Juventus Nation. You can find us on Facebook. Search black and white and red all over. Same search goes for finding us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Same search goes for finding us on Spotify. Same search goes for finding us on Google Podcasts. So hopefully we made that easy for you guys. Once again, Chucks has a book coming out next week at the beginning of December. Feel free to support support our man because he supports us. And as always, uh, you can can find us. You're going to be seeing a lot of us this next month. So get used to it if you're not already. But uh, for, for Sam, for Sergio, and for Chucks, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys after Dina Mokia. Bye.